Con el nuevo iPhone SE por menos de 100 dólares en metro, conquistas todo. El iPhone más accesible en la marca número uno en prepago. Estudia online o conéctate por FaceTime. Hola, ma. El iPhone SE lo tiene todo. Cámbiate a Metro y obtén el iPhone SE por $99.99 al canjear el reembolso tras seis meses de servicio con autopago. Metro by T-Mobile. Conquista tu día. Límite uno por cuenta hogar al cambiarse y validar ID. No válido para números activos en la red de T-Mobile o en Metro los últimos 90 días. Aplican restricciones. Visita una tienda para detalles. It's a nasty habit, but... I've been smoking again, pretty heavily honestly. It started because I was bored, stupid I know, and it developed from there. I live alone and suffer from that. I don't have enough energy to do anything productive, but I want to feel productive, and sitting on the porch smoking counts as doing something, right? Again, it's stupid and doesn't make much sense. I keep saying I'll quit, but here I am at 6am, sitting on my porch with a cigarette lit not even five minutes after the alarm woke me. I live in a rural area on the border of a state park and Route 30. There's a little apartment above the little country market here. If it weren't for the intermittent traffic, it would be a quiet home. 6am was one of the few times I could sit on the porch and not hear the constant stream of trucks and semis hauling things across state. If I was lucky, i catch glimpses of some wildlife though. Raccoon, deer, once even a bear that made eye contact with me as it steadily resumed its rummaged meal from the dumpster beneath the parking light. And that more than made up for the noise, I think. I like to think that I always had a friend or two nearby. Kind of pathetic, really. But I failed to make any human friends in two years of living here. Another thing is the spiders. Tons of them make their home on the porch's railings and the ceiling of the overhang above. They freak me out a little the sheer mass of them, but I like to think we have a truce of sorts. They don't try to crawl on me or take up real estate on my chair and respect my personal space. They don't get smashed or bathed in a torrent of raid. It's been working well so far and I thank them for the cooperation, because it's totally normal to have one-sided conversations with the spiders or whatever other creature crawls into my line of sight. I was finishing my third cigarette when I noticed it. Stuck in a particularly nasty series of webs was a praying mantis, dangling from one leg. It was a pretty large one too. Green and tan with wings tipped in bright white, which I'd never seen before. I was sure it could take on the comparatively little spiders on the porch, but its frantic arm movements struck a chord in my heart. I carefully removed the little thing from the web, and it almost immediately latched on with its front legs, it took over a minute to release its grip as carefully as I could, as I feared harming its delicate limbs. I set it down on my chair gently. Seat of honor right there, I said, but frowned when I saw the mantis didn't seem to be doing well despite my efforts. It had its face pressed to the seat, limbs splayed as if they could no longer support its body weight. As I watched, it struggled to move, legs uncoordinated. It flipped onto its back where it grew mostly still, except for the slow movements of legs bending and unbending. A pang of sadness hit me, probably more than what is normal for the life of a bug, but I didn't know what to do. I whispered an apology to it, then went back inside to get ready for work. When I went to leave, it hadn't moved at all. Its colour seemed to be more muted. Good luck, buddy. If nothing else, 
I hope you can pass comfortably there instead of a spider's meal. I passed to go to my car and thought about the mantis the entire way and throughout the day. I felt worried and maybe even a little stupid for feeling worried, but it occupied my mind all day. Every break I could, I took to Google. I found that the mantis was likely female due to its larger size and the length of its wings, which did not extend past its abdomen. I also read up on the molting process, which gave me a little hope. It listed a lightning in color and lethargy as signs of the process. I continued my research in stolen minutes during smoke breaks and bathroom breaks. I wasn't able to determine the exact species, the white-tipped wings thrown off any hunch that it could be similar green and tan species. It was much larger than the average size of any mantises known in my area too. Its length had dwarfed my hand in the brief moments I held it. I figured it might have been some sort of one-off mutation of sorts. I got home from work a little late after stopping for groceries along the way. It was still there. I went inside long enough to put groceries away, lighting up a cigarette as I stepped outside and holding a dining chair with me, so I had a place to sit too. I studied her, looked as close as I could, and was happy to see light movement. Not much, but her antenna was still twitching and mouthpieces quivering just very slightly. I butted out the cigarette and went back inside the house, returning with a cup of water. I went off the porch to find the leaf, slightly dry, slightly curled up at the edges. I set the leaf about six inches away from her. I used my fingertips to transfer a few droplets of water to the leaf. I searched around the porch, examining the spider webs, and picked up a medium-sized moth. I apologized to the spiders for stealing a meal, reassured them that it was for a good cause, then set the mostly dead but still twitching moth next to the leaf. I don't know if this will help, but if you pull through, at least you'll have a drink and a snack when you do. The mantis, as expected, did not answer. Not much for conversation, that one. I went back inside, thinking my presence might be a continued stress on her. I didn't smoke the rest of the night, but looked out the door every so often. As time went on, I was happy to see that it had been a molting process after all, as she seemed to be detaching from the old exoskeleton little by little in small, laboured movements. In the morning, the moth was gone, the dry leaf, and nothing left of her but a shed and destroyed malt, and a surprising amount of clear, viscous goo, and a lot of it. My Google Academy session had nothing to say about the goo, but I was just glad she had made it through and was off living a little mantis life again somewhere. I smiled and left for work. Another few weeks passed in its usual silence and lack of fanfare. I found myself smoking more, as if I needed an excuse to sit out on my porch more often than before. In the back of my head, I hoped to see her again, see how bright her new colours were and how big she had grown. It was dumb, what with a large expansive forest surrounding me, hundreds of acres she could be exploring and hunting. Still, it was a nice thought. Monday nights are trash nights, the dumpster emptied early Tuesday mornings. I'd fallen asleep at some point on my couch, and when I woke up, it was still dark. I looked at the time. 5am. Grumbling, I bagged up my trash, deciding to take it out before the dump truck arrived, and with plans to get another hour of sleep in before work. 
The parking lot light was a bright orange white above as I lifted the dumpster lid and threw the bag inside, the movement casting distorted shadows as I did. It was after I turned to go back inside that I heard movement. Before I could even react or think about it, something hard and pointed pressed painfully into the small of my back. I didn't know anybody was still here, a rough, out-of-breath male voice said. I froze, too afraid to even look over my shoulder in fear of setting the guy off. He sounded panicked himself, pressing the knife further against my back. For once, I begged for the usual noisy traffic along 30, but the night was quiet and the road unoccupied at this hour. Please, I begged, voice barely above a whisper. I didn't want to die here, sad and alone, with the only old woman who worked in the country market there to find me. Let me go, I haven't seen your face, I don't even... What was he even doing to warrant worry about a sad, lonely woman living by herself? I glanced around quickly and noted the window below my apartment for the country market was open. Of all places to try to rob, it had to be a little store in the middle of nowhere. I was going to die here, so out of the blue and unexpected, and in a place so small it didn't even have a paper for me to be remembered as a passing headline, a place where no one would mourn me or claim my body when it was found. I could sense him shifting from foot to foot nervously. Nah, I'm not, I can't risk it, I can't. He hovered behind me for several long moments knife alternating between pressing even harder into my back, hesitant and pulling away. My porch steps were about 20 feet away. Could I make it in time? Up my steps and through the door, locking it before he could push through and make a more decisive jab of his knife? Probably not. Not with all the smoking I've been doing. Our shadow stretched ahead of us, made grotesque from the angle of the parking lot light as I watched and considered my fate here at the hands of an indecisive knife, something else in the shadow shifted behind us. Now, an even longer and larger shadow crept up, swallowing up the shadows of myself and my assailant until all you could see was this new shadow. The man cursed, the knife pulling away as he turned to the shuffling steps behind us. I didn't hesitate then, his distraction my benefit. I bolted for my steps, taking them two at a time, but not quick enough to avoid hearing the man's screams being abruptly cut off by an echoing, wet crunch. I didn't look back. I crashed through my door, locked it, and made the beeline for my bed where I huddled, terrified and in a disassociated daze as the sun rose and the morning light spilled in through my window. It must have only been an hour, tops, before a commotion outside began, first with the sound of the garbage truck pulling up and then the sirens, and more cars, and a chorus of voices, then knocking on my door. Two officers stood there, the light of their vehicles flashing below. Morning ma'am, are you the one who lives here? I nodded, heart hammering in my chest. My mind immediately went to every worst case scenario, because of course something else could go wrong. My mind landed on the idea that I'd somehow be blamed for the man's death. I assumed he was dead, because those screams and their quick end could mean nothing else. Did you happen to hear anything in the night? Any unusual activity? 
but the two stood shoulder to shoulder and blocked the view. No, not that I can recall. I lied. Why did I lie? I was out like a light since ten. They accepted the answer easily. I was surprised with how calmly I was interacting with them, despite the terror in my head. Did something happen, officers? They exchanged glances briefly, but didn't hesitate in their reply. Word gets around in places like this, whether they told me themselves or not. Looks like a particularly bad bear attack. Guy trying to rob the store below and was in the wrong place at the wrong time. The first officer said, Not the first bear attack around here, said the second. I nodded again, not sure what to say now. All right, the first officer said after a long pause. Well, stay safe, keep on the lookout for wildlife, and be careful not to leave trash out near your door or steps. They turned and descended the stairs just in time for me to glimpse the body, covered in blood in a flimsy sheet that hugged the outline of the body. Tall, broad-shouldered, and alarmingly ended right there at the shoulders. I shut the door, called off work, and stayed inside. No smoke breaks. The next day, I returned to work, not able to justify another missed day of wages to myself. Talk at work confirmed what I saw. The man's head had been taken clean off, leaving only the collapsed body in the parking lot. The head was nowhere to be found. Nobody knew the man, but an abandoned campsite was found in the park nearby. Bear must have had one hell of the munches, one co-worker said. Too bad the store security cameras were just for show. Would have liked to see the thieving asshole get what was coming to him. I stayed quiet. When I got home that day, I sat on my porch in my usual chair and lit a cigarette with a lot of unease. I looked out toward the dumpster and the parking lot light, not yet flicked on in the fading sunlight. I thought about the shadow that dwarfed mine and the man's, the long, gangly limbs, the thin body above the larger, rounded abdomen, the triangular head and the moving mouthpiece. I didn't want to understand yet. I made my retreat into the house when a spider crawled under my shoulder and down the front of my shirt, sending my limbs flailing as I tried to get it off. Several weeks passed, and the excitement of the bear attack eventually faded. I felt okay enough to keep up my normal smoking habits out on the porch after a few days. I also made a habit of not descending the stairs at night for any reason. It was morning now, the sun barely peeking over the treetop. Not much had changed, except for what I called the Great Spider Migration. I hadn't seen but a few on the porch in weeks. I wasn't too torn up about it after the little assholes had declared war and broke our truce. It was as I was putting out the second cigarette of the morning when I happened to glance up at the railing across from mine. Two little mantis nymphs perched on the top of the railing watched me, heads tilted and maxillary palps twitching in curiosity. They were bright green and tan, their little developing wings tipped in a bright white. I smiled. Hello, little ones.
As a gun owner, have you ever thought about the liability that would come with having to use your weapon in self-defense? Or the liability that would come with having one of your guns stolen or misused? Or perhaps you work in a profession like security or law enforcement that requires you to carry a gun. Regardless, it's well known that responsible gun owners and security professionals across the country have become targets of frivolous lawsuits. At X-Insurance, we provide custom firearm liability insurance to eliminate your exposure and to protect you from unscrupulous lawyers. And if lawsuits do arise, we aggressively fight them. We're the very best at what we do, and we've been doing it for more than 40 years. We offer same-day quotes and solutions, so call us today or have your insurance agent call us and we can work with them to fill any gaps in your existing policy. But call today and let's get that target off your back. For more information, visit xinsurance.com. That's xinsurance.com.